Hello and welcome back. I'm Dr. Nicola Ciso and this is Aspen Talks Health. Today I'm joined with Katherine Kaufman. She is a certified health practitioner. She offers health and lifestyle coaching and has a wealth of knowledge on child development and has a background in as a culinary chef, a raw culinary chef and living food instructor. She's a wealth of knowledge and I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. Good, good to have you. So, um, Let's dive right in. You have some wonderful knowledge on conscious discipline. Can you share what that means? I certainly can. So Conscious Discipline is a self-regulation program developed by Dr. Becky Bailey, who actually had some brain trauma. And through her recovery and, and healing, and also she was a school teacher, and realized that something needed to shift in the way that children were handled actually they were pretty much handled she created the self-regulation program for adults to transform how we handle stress offering more impulse control and strategies and skill sets to support families and teachers in the school uh, self-regulation self program and it's also a social emotional program again helping children learn how to handle frustration by modeling, um, having adults model that. You yeah. are, I have actually gotten the pleasure of spending time with you and your son. You have a nine-year-old beautiful son, Julian. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, as we both described, he's a strong-willed boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> which I, I can imagine is, is a challenge because do you honor the entitlement and the, the courage that it takes to be a strong-willed person? Or do you try and control it and mitigate it? Like that must be kind of a fine line as a parent. Well, I've, cert I've certainly experienced that with all the skills that I've been learning. Before Julian was born, I was primarily working with food and nutrition and healing for adults. When Julian was born, I realized that there was a need and um, a desire for parents. They need help, we need support. Even with all these skills, it's very challenging. I definitely wanna say that no matter what we're doing, it's very hard work. And so these skills have really helped me and it isn't about changing their behavior and turning them into somebody else. It's how do we manage ourselves in the presence of these children, whether they're strong-willed or they're very quiet and reserved. Whatever it is, it's how do we respond to children that I feel really makes a difference in our household, how they develop skills for a lifetime out yeah. in the world. Yeah, you were, I was very impressed with your skills. <laughs> and you even said he's your greatest teacher, but you stayed yes. completely calm while he was having, you know, demanding whatever he wanted at that moment, yes. which is totally normal. Um, but you're a master at staying calm. I was very impressed. How do you do that? What are some tricks? It's interesting that you're asking me this because I learned about conscious discipline when Julian was four months old and I realized it was about four months too late. <laughs> and it's never too late, but I realized when he was a baby, when he would start to get very upset and vocal, my, my nervous system would start to panic a bit and I wouldn't know how to deal. And with conscious discipline, the first thing we do to calm ourselves and you know, I like to put my hands on my heart because it just helps center me, right. but it's taking a deep breath, or any breath actually. And as for many years, my mother would say, count to 10, breathe backwards, you know, or count backwards right. and take breaths. So we know that the breath will help bring us back to this moment. When your child is demanding or upset and frustrated or raising their voice or being aggressive, their behavior is a form of communication. So we don't want to stop it, but we want to learn how to support them to express themselves safely. And what I 
I've discovered the number one way is modeling. So staying calm is, I believe, the most important valuable gift we can give our children and even our spouses. We're talking about conscious discipline focused on children, but these skills are for all human relationships right. on how we handle when we don't get what we want. Just like the children are upset because they're not getting what they want, how do we respond to that? So the first thing is calm, so taking a breath. In conscious discipline, they have a saying, I am safe, I can handle this. So before we react, and reaction tends to be more of an unconscious, automatic right. experience. So the training really is how do we respond consciously with kindness and empathy. And those are the skills that conscious discipline uses. So by breathing, saying I am safe gives us gives our brain that understanding that we're not under attack. Yeah. This is a child, they're having they're having upset. Right. They're not getting what they want, but they're safe. And we make sure of course they're fed and if they're toddlers or babies that their diapers are changed. But then after that, what are they really looking for? And so conscious discipline really has taught me very clearly how imperative it is that I stay as calm as I possibly can in order to teach these skills. Right. So discipline really is means a disciple, a pupil, a student. So our children, when we discipline, it isn't punishment. And uh, in brain research, which is what conscious discipline is based on, and a lot of these new conscious mindfulness trainings are based on the brain, in order to create change in our children or any human around us, being calm is the forefront of making changes. So they, they talk about the prefrontal lobe, which now uh, scientists and doctors are saying isn't developed fully till they're 28 for men and 25 for females. It takes a long time to develop that. So for us as parents or adults, our opportunity is to download our nervous system, our brain, so to speak, yeah. to our children who have who don't have that developed yet. Well, that's your judgment center, yes. right? That's a control center that's saying yes or no, no, yes or no, basically. Don't do this, do this. And so if you don't have that control center fully developed yet, you do rely on your parents to make wiser choices and help you, guide you. Of course. But interesting that it's not till 25 or 28. That's So uh, we all know we should breathe more and focus on our breath, but when you're in that moment of just raging kid, or or boss yelling at you, dad or parent yelling at you, you know, whatever the scenario is that you don't feel, in how control. do you remember to, do, are there morning rituals to try and mm -hmm. get you in that mindset all day or? Certainly, well there's a couple of great techniques. As far as children go, Becky Bailey created a book called I Love You Rituals because we found that connections with others wires our brain for connections on the inside. So the more connected I am to you, the more likely I'm willing to cooperate, the more impulse control that I'm going to have. If you're sitting with your best friend or your spouse on the couch and you're feeling connected and they ask you to get a glass of water, you're going to get up and say, of course, I'd love to get you water. If you're not feeling connected to this person, they get ask yourself. you, get it yourself. I'm not getting off the couch. So connections right. is the most important thing. And that's why when people are having a bad day, I know sometimes when people get depressed or anxious, sometimes it's hard to reach out. But when they do and they reach out to a loving empath person then they start to calm and feel safer so connections with other people is really valuable so if you're noticing you're feeling out of control and stress you take some breaths if that isn't enough reach out and reach out to the community and see if you can find someone that can offer a, a loving ear 
and that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. And the I Love You rituals are little games, and it could be, you know, insy bitsy spider crawling up their arm, or like tickle time, just really looking, eye contact, right. touch and playfulness is what I mean by connection. Someone was asking me the other day, what does that mean to connect? And what does that mean to hold space for someone? So connection, again, it's that eye contact, it's touch, it's playfulness. Human beings, all of us, children and adults, need that to have our brain thriving. Yeah, presence, like true yes. presence. No cell phones, just one-on-one. -on -one exactly. Very important. Yeah. And also being here for yourself. I find that loving yourself, sometimes if your lack of patience is because you're mad at yourself for something, I experience that with diabetes. If I haven't done well, I, I'm irritated, and it comes out on, uh, on other people because I'm in that space internally. Of course, and that's a very important uh, important thing to recognize. And it, with Becky, she talks about the brain a lot. That's a very big part. And when we are speaking or communicating, or our children or anyone is communicating, it's interesting to notice where they're coming from in their brain. On a very elementary level, because I know this is a, a shorter interview, but the brain, we can look at it in the back of our head is the brain stem. Right. And then that's like the alligator mind, the primal brain. It's what right. we all come in. It's fight or flight, kicking, screaming, shouting. Then it moves up into the limbic system. And that's the CD-ROM, the emotional center. That's where we complain. And we could go on and on and on. That is a brain function. And then we have, of course, where we're all striving to be is our prefrontal or frontal lobe, which is where we do problem solving. Yeah. And what is very interesting to notice when a child or an adult is in a brainstem modality in that fight or flight, they're not able to acquire new skills. So the only way to move them and to have conversations is through safety and calm. So we don't have conversations with an alligator. We don't have conversations with a person who's screaming at us, of course. So we recognize that we have to stay calm. Yeah. When you start breathing and wishing well, that's actually another wonderful gift that Becky has shared that I find is extremely helpful. When someone's having a hard time or someone just cr uh, knocked you down walking by you know, unconsciously or cut you off on the street, wishing well is, is noticing the other person may be having a hard day. We don't know what's going Compassion. on with them. Compassion and empathy, which has to be developed. It isn't something that we right. just come out of the womb knowing how to do. So it's like from my heart to your heart, no matter what, I wish you well. And so when a, parent, a child yells at a parent, I hate you, if we take that personally, we're not going to be an effective teacher, an effective model, a role model, because now we're getting triggered and from when the time maybe we told our parents, I hate you, and they spanked us or they punished us or they yelled at us, right. and we've been taught that that's not acceptable. In conscious discipline, we recognize they're having a hard time and they don't have the skills. So through wishing well, in that moment, it, it not only helps ourselves and calms our nervous system, is good for our immune system, it actually will affect the other people. Once they're calm, whether it's an adult or a child, now we can start problem solving. And if they start complaining, then you know that they're starting to move to the higher centers of their brain. That's a good thing. Yeah. So more connection, taking more time and patience, which is something we always hear parents need. And that's because children process information so much slower than adults do. And even though they might look like little adults, they're not little adults. Their brain is not like ours. So it's really important that we step back. Sometimes I'll even pivot my body. So if your boss is yelling at you or your child is screaming and I am about to explode, which is a natural reaction, right. I literally can turn my body, take a deep breath, remind myself that I'm safe, and then paint the image in your mind what you want to happen. 
Because what they say, what you focus on, you get more of. Another thing that she offers is the kindness tree or noticing kind and helpful acts. So it's something that we can every day, every time you notice your child doing anything or your spouse or your yes, friend. Especially couples. Exactly. Doing anything helpful. Notice, hey, I noticed that you walked by and you emptied the dishwasher. Or, I mean, little things like yeah. that. can. That's what builds connection is noticing. And that's something really powerful for children as they're often, mommy, mommy, look at me. They want you they to want notice it. them. In our culture, we judge a lot. You're such a good girl. What a beautiful girl. What a good boy. In conscious discipline, we notice that those types of words is not what builds self-esteem because it makes them more of a pleaser. And then if we don't give them that response, they wonder what did they do wrong. So in conscious discipline, they, they really express how imperative it is that we notice your child. You put away all your toys so you could find them tomorrow or so that you didn't trip on the floor. You put your laundry away so you could find your clothes tomorrow. That was helpful. Yeah. So it's really noticing and not judging that wires the brain for impulse control, stress reduction. Because they realize, oh, yes, I can do this. I am helpful and yeah. kind. And it inspires your spouse or to, to want to do more. I, I work well on reward. I do, if, I, if someone cr punishes me, I crumble. Yes. But if, if someone rewards me, I blossom and I want to do more and more for that person. I'm glad you actually mentioned reward because reward and punishment is a very traditional, when you say reward, I think of traditional styles. If you're good, I'll take you for ice cream. If you're good, I'll buy you this. If you're bad, I'm going to make you feel bad in order to change your behavior. In conscious parenting, the, the research is very clear that rewarding with external things, materials, is not teaching the intrinsic value. When they eat their dinner, when they're a toddler, if you eat all your peas, you can get dessert. We're not rewarding them with dessert. You can have dessert because that, maybe that's part of your culture if that's your choice, but you're not rewarding them. You're eating your food because you can nourish your body. You go to the bathroom on the toilet and keep your pants dry because you're keeping yourself clean. It isn't for mommy or daddy that you're behaving. So, you know, from when they're a little child, if you're good at grandma's, we'll do this. No, you're good at grandma's because we're part of the family. So it's really important that we reward with celebration and that is all they want. Eye contact, they want attention. In our culture, we tend to celebrate with materials and food, which I'm finding is leading to a lot of addictive behaviors as adults. Right, and we'll get into that. and we'll yeah. get into that. And then let's, the, yeah, the other the other part is about the punishment. It is very clear in order to teach new skills, which again this child has come into the world, and most adults don't have this self regulation model. We weren't modeled. Our parents didn't know. Everyone has just been repeating old habits and patterns of functioning. And with consequences and punishment, really punishment naturally cons natural consequences is a really healthy way leaving a child with their natural angst from ma making a mistake, that is a, is a normal punishment. But making children feel bad does not bring their brain to the frontal lobe where problem solving happens. Mm. It's more a fear-based. And they maybe in the moment will behave, but they're not learning how to do it differently. And ultimately, the connection between the child and the caregiver could be severed. And then now we have no room to really play in this world of mm. connection and helping them handle frustration, which is part of human life. Beautiful. So how, give, give a common example would probably be, you know, if you're a good boy or a girl, you'll get some ice cream. Yep. What's the replacement for that? 
you were so helpful. You you played with your brother really well today. Let's get, I'm gonna get on the floor and be with you today. That was great. Or I noticed that you ate all your food and now you're feeling good. Would you like to go on a walk or can we do a dance party together? Find things that they enjoy doing. It's about the connection. It isn't about anything external. External reward. It's about being together. And I know when my son first went into the toilet, that was just a big triumph for us because it took him a little while when he was a toddler. Normal. And and um, when he did it, it was like, yay, you did it. And I did the potty dance. And yeah. that's what he loved. They right. just want to be noticed. Adults want to be noticed. Yeah. We all want attention. Yeah. We don't want stuff. But when we start living like that, then when we're older and we're feeling inadequate, which most human beings have that belief system, then we start shopping more. We start doing more drugs. We start eating more. It's external rewards. There's external rewards. And you so we're almost create that behavior. Huh? We are teaching. And that is what yeah. is so important, why I think that this really should be taught in hospitals for those who yeah. have hospital births or for you know really parenting we don't know any better it's how we were raised if you're a good girl I'll give you this if you be quiet I'll give you this if you don't cause a scene I'll give you this but that isn't teaching them so you can give them those things because you want to hmm. you know it's like allowance I'm not going to give you allowance because you did you participate in the household I give you allowance so you can learn about money so it's very, I think that's a really valuable understanding yep. of, um, of rewards and punishments. It's a simple shift, but it's an important one. Mm -hmm. Let's shift now to food, because it's very important. How is nutrition contributing to mental well-being? My, my experience, and I have personal experience, I'm, I'm not a master a doctor um, in this lifetime in that way, but I have personally experienced when I was younger, I had a lot of, uh, I'd say, angst and anxiety and had a hard time self-regulating. And my diet was a primarily a very processed diet. I know my parents did their best, but they didn't know anything different at the time. And I think it became clear when I was in elementary school that I was, as they said, on the spectrum and needed medication. So they started giving me Ritalin at a very young age and trying to figure out, should we give her Coke or Tab, white bread or this bread? And they didn't understand. So I think that's one of the reasons I am so passionate about this is because I realize that food definitely affects mental well-being. There's a lot of uh, research out there about it. Uh, some of my favorite books is Dr. Gabriel Cousins, who talks about depression free for life, who is linked carbohydrates, processed Process. carbohydrates and processed artificial foods to depression, anxiety, mood swings. And so again, I think the research is really there if you look at it, but if you yourself or your children are having behavioral um, issues and struggling a lot, if they're, if they're eating a lot of artificial foods, and even when I say a lot, if they're eating it regularly, it's too much. Right. And um, Specifically, yeah. the refined sugars and the food colorings, the preservatives, yes. right? Exactly, yes. Whole foods, I think, you know, when people say, what should we eat? It's just a whole food diet. And what is that? It's just food in its natural state. Well, it comes Does out it, of the ground. It, comes, it doesn't mean you don't that? cook it. You can cook it. I was raw for a very long time. And I realized, you know, you can still cook food. You just want, you want food in its natural state. If yeah. it has multiple ingredients in it, it's really not meant for us. Yeah. yeah. Funny how we've gotten so far away from eating fruits and vegetables. <sighs> I walk around sometimes with a red pepper and people look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like... 
that's the pepper. It's just, it's <laughs> just food. We've, yeah, kind, it's we've kind of forgotten. Gotten away. And when I was a child, they said, you are what you eat. Somehow now, I have so many people that I know that have a lot of health issues, and their diet would reflect. Yeah. Maybe it's not the cause, but it certainly is participating. And they have no understanding that the food could be affecting how they sleep, their allergies, their asthma, their bloating, their headaches, their depression. Yeah. You know, so I always tell people, just shift your diet. Let's try it as an experiment. Right. So we can experiment. But everyone I know that has shifted from a processed artificial base diet, which is a standard American diet, the SAD diet, there's a reason they found that acronym, into a healthier whole food diet, they feel better. Instantly, yeah. It's days. really yeah. amazing. And children, you see it so, so easily. I was recently yeah, speaking course. to the bus driver because I heard there was some action, negative um, behavior on the buses. And he was saying, you know, he really notices it after the school has had bake sales or birthday celebrations. The kids get on the bus and they are aggressive. Wow. They're, they're, dis they're destructive. And I asked him if I could speak to the principal. And he said, I want to help. We have a problem. So you can see at birthday parties, the yeah. children's behavior changes. And we kind of laugh about it. But actually, their brain is, is struggling. This is their immune system. This is affecting every part of their body. And particularly for children who are developing their organs and developing their brain, we need to give them every chance they can. And that's why I really love the conscious parenting, because by being empathetic, by being kind, looking for the best, noticing them, that starts to wire their brain. Then you give them whole food nutrition, and you've given them the best. It doesn't mean they're going to turn out perfect the way you want, but you're giving them the best start, yeah. and that's, that's the offering. Good. Mm -hmm. You touched on uh, birthday parties. How, as a, a healthy parent that wants to provide healthy food options, you know that you're going to send your kid to a birthday party, and it's just going to be a bomb of sugar and dairy and frosting. And what do you, how do you do? How do you handle it? How do you teach their child not to eat it, I mean, that's almost cruel. It's very difficult. And, you know, being that Julian's nine, I certainly have so many conversations with parents. And, you know, every people do it a little differently. Um, for me, because I really am concerned about those foods, it would be like giving Julian some sort of drug. I'm just not comfortable doing that. So at parties, I would bring him. I'd pick out a vegan, organic, you know, sweetened with whole foods and not white sugar right. and, and food coloring. I would pick out he loves chocolate. You can get good quality chocolate. And I would bring him to the party and he would have that. I would also bring him lunches. He is a natural vegetarian. Most of his friends aren't. So when you go to the parties, there really isn't a lot of offerings for him anyway. Mm -hmm. So he's used to carrying things around for him mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, filling them up before. You know, when I teach classes in, in food, I talk about let's, let's focus on what you can eat, not what you can't eat, which creates a lot of stress. So the more nourishment you put in your body, the less likely you're going to want the other stuff. Um, I do have to say that now at nine and a half, it's gotten a little more challenging um, for us as a family to do that where Julian's like, Mom, I just want to do what everybody else is doing, which makes sense. And in the past, schools have said, or because that's where my, my focus is, we'll talk about shortly, yeah. is they've said, you know, you can teach your son, but, you know, everyone else is, we're just going to let everyone be. But, you know, children, they want, most of them, want to be like everybody else. In. And the yeah. food, as Julian said one time when he was three, Mommy, when I see sugar, 
I want it, but my but I know it's not good for me. It doesn't feel good. And my brain goes cuckoo and I can't stop myself. Huh. And my friend heard that and said, that is brilliant. That's exactly. We know and adults through whether we drink too much. <laughs> we drink too much, we ate too much the next day, we're like, oh, or that night, we'll never do that again. And the next day, we're doing it again. Right. And that's why I feel as as adults, we have to really model that type of healthier choices because children, I don't think, have impulse control. For, for sugar when it is linked to addictions and the way that it affects the brain. So I feel like we're asking children to do things that are really not humanly possible. Mm -hmm. There are some children who naturally don't love sugar and they'll just throw it in the garbage. I've seen it, it's mm -hmm. rare, but there are those children and just like television and screen time for children, we know it is not optimal and however, if you're feeling like you're going to be hurtful because you're frustrated, you're tired, you've had a bad day, maybe that's the best option to put them in front of a TV. But generally, yeah. having screens isn't supporting connection. We Again, children thrive with connections with others. It's really imperative. If we come home, when they come home from school, if we're still on our screen, we're losing that connection and they can start to distance. So, you, you know, I recommend to people when the child comes through the door, put your screen down. I have one family, when they all walk in the door, there's a basket by the door. Ah. They all put their screens in it. Good. And I think that's very helpful. Uh, you touched on impulse control. Can you give us some tips on impulse control for both kids and adults? Of course. So the first thing, again, was the taking the deep breath and reminding us that we're safe because I think sometimes we immediately go into overwhelm. Right. So just those words, I'm safe, it isn't like safe like a, a tiger's coming at me. It's safe that I can handle this. Yeah. And even if you don't have the skills, so sometimes we don't know what to do, but just staying calm, sometimes being silent is fine. It's yeah. just holding that space, again, of wishing well and staying calm, which can help them. Another uh, opportunity that we can give as adults to children to help with impulse control is actually offering two positive choices. Hmm. And choices are very interesting because usually impulse control and frustration with children and others is because they feel they, they don't have any control and we're yeah. holding the control. And so when you offer two positive choices, it's time to take a bath. I don't want to take a bath. We can fly like Superman and we can slither like a snake. Now they forgot that they don't want to take a bath and they're like, I'll slither like a snake, mommy. There you go, you're slithering like a snake to the bathtub to keep yourself nice and clean. Way to go, you did it. You know, and that's yeah. how the choices can really shift our focus. Because again, under stress, we become very single-minded and we can't see the whole picture. This happens with adults, this happens with children. We cannot problem solve under stress. Right. So what it, whatever it is that we can do, another really valuable thing that Conscious One offers that I love is called the safe place. Instead of timeouts, again, we don't punish children for negative behavior. Their behavior is saying, help me, I don't have the skills. They're not saying, I'm a bad kid trying to ruin your day. They're asking for help. Right. So a safe place is a place, it could look like this chair with a squishy ball and a favorite blanket or a journal or music. It's like how we feel when we've had a stressed out day and we're like, God, I need to go take a walk or a bath. Calgon, take me away. You know, we need to create a space for ourselves as adults and for children that brings comfort and safety. So when they're upset and we're having a, a challenging time, mm. my son reminded me last night when I was coming here, he said his favorite thing for impulse control is Magic 123, which is a fabulous book that we read and together. And he said that has been the most effective thing for him. And what happened? So he's doing a behavior I don't like. Okay, he's not listening, which is one of my triggers when he doesn't listen. So I'll say one not listening. And he knows when I start to count now, it's the behavior I don't like. 
And it's the, the whole idea with Magic 1, 2, 3 and why I think it works so well, there's no talking and there's no emotion. Hmm. So again, how do we have impulse control for ourselves and our children? We have to learn skills. So this tool, one, not listening. Yeah. Two, unbelievable by two, 90% of the time he stopped. Ha. It is magic. That's why they call it that. If he gets to three, yeah. he takes a st takes space away from whatever's going on and um, he takes the amount of time for however old he is. So if he's nine, he'll take nine minutes wow. to himself. When the nine minutes is up, he comes back and we resume play because the whole thing that we need is connection. If we continue our disciplining, hey, I told you I don't like it when you don't listen and blah, 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 they shut you out yeah. and now we have disconnect. And now the next time you ask him to cooperate, he's gonna say, F off. Uh, so it's uh. really imperative that we learn these skills to not nag our children and not to judge them saying, what's wrong with you? I already told you this five times. In, in some of these studies have suggested it takes 2,000, up to 2,000 times in context wow. to learn a new skill under calm. If you're stressed and you say, I've told you three times and you're yelling, their brain, again, is in the brainstem or limbic system. They're not going to be successful. So mm -hmm. I'm going to stop you because we're out of time. Yes. But um, real quick, you have a vision for this valley, and that is to create some healthy foods at schools. How can people contact you so they can you can collaborate on this vision? Fabulous, yes, because I'm creating the honesty program that I want to put into schools, yes. which is really a modeling. It's, it's, it's asking the adults and the principals and the administrators to model healthy behavior at school through the languaging and through the nutrition and not selling sugar to children at school and teaching them and educating. So the Honesty Program is a not-for-profit organization. I'm looking for team members right now to develop this. I want to bring this to the Roaring Fork and ultimately nationwide beautiful. to bring this into schools. Good. We'll make sure to put a link up for your for your website, which is beautiful, and your mission, which I'm so excited about. And we'll probably have to have you back on to talk about this because it's I a would love that. huge topic. <laughs> anyway, we're out of time. I'm really sorry to cut you off short, but um, thank you so much for joining us and you're such a lovely pleasure. Aww. I adore being with you. Thank you so much, Nicola. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.